Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we read Parsha Chaye Sarah. Before we begin, I wanted to apologize for the fact that I have a cold, and so I sound a little bit strange. And also Coco is next to me snoring her head off. So you may have some um, interesting background noises today. But anyway, so we read Parsha Chaye Sarah this week, which of course tells the story of the death of Sarah, and then the saga, the long story of Avraham appointing Eliezer to go find a wife for Yitzchak. And that whole story begins in chapter 24 and is introduced as the Avraham Zakain Ba Beyamim, the Hashem Beirach et Avraham Bakol. That Avraham was old, advanced in years, and God had blessed Avraham in all things, bakol. And then in the next pasuk, we're told that Avraham says to um, Avdo, uh, you know, put your, like, swear to me, um, and that you will not take a wife for my son from the Kna'anim, and that you're going to go to the land of my birth and get a wife for Yitzchak. And then, of course, Eliezer goes, and there's the whole long story of Rivka. So the question that I was asking myself this year is, why does is this whole story introduced with Hashem Beirach et Avraham Bakol, that God had blessed Avraham in all of the things. And I was curious how different Mepharshim understood why this is mentioned um, and how it connected to the rest of the story. So the Ibn Ezra, he says, oh, what does it mean that God blessed Avraham with bakol? The orech yamim, with a long life, the osher, with wealth, the kavod, with honor, uvanim, and sons, mikochem data adam, everything that people desire. Right? So just, it's an, it's an emphasis that God really had blessed Avraham with everything. Something that we can appreciate because that's not how, that's not everything he had in the beginning of his life. But now he was, his life, you know, he he reached that old age. He really had a bracha about everything. Now, the Sworno um, takes this sort of agrees a similar idea, but it takes it in a slightly more cynical route, um, appropriately so, I think. It says, yeah, Avraham, he kind of had everything. And he knew that people knew that he was wealthy and that he was blessed. And so the reason, therefore, the explanation of why then in the next pasuk, Avraham takes Eliezer and makes him swear not to take a wife from the Kna'anim is because Avraham was worried that people would try to bribe Eliezer to choose their daughter. Right, that because they would say, "Well, this is a good family to move in, to marry into," and Abraham is wealthy and he's doing great. And so here, Abraham, you know, Eliezer, you take you know a few hundred dollars and uh, you pick my daughter. And so that's why that explains why Abraham wanted him to go to a different land where he could be more anonymous. Now, the Bechor Shore focuses on a different area. Um, the Bechor Shor, what I, what I want to, I, I brought the, uh, the Mepharshim today, I ordered them in terms of like expanding the idea of bracha to sort of narrowing it, right? So even Ezra and Sforno say, yeah, no, he really had a lot. The Bechor Shor says, Lo davar, no. He had everything except for a wife for his son. Now that isn't necessarily different 
than what the Ibn Ezra says and saying that he truly had everything. But it's focusing on, yeah, okay, he had everything except for this one thing. And so now he wanted to go find this one last thing. Now, Rashi actually, um, we see Gemara pop up in Rashi that what is Hashem Birechat Avram Bakol? Bakol, Bakol, Ole Begamatria, Ben that the word bakol has the same gematria value as ben, right? Because bet is two, um, and a nun is 50, whereas a kaf is 30, excuse me, 20, and a lamed is 30, right? So 20 plus 30 is 50. So bakol is the same gematria as ben, son. And now that he had a son, he had to find a wife for his son. So in other words, what Rashi is doing with this gematria is saying that God had blessed Abraham with everything, but bakol doesn't actually mean with everything. It means with a son. And therefore he had to go find a wife for his son. And I think that this is, this is an interesting turn to make from saying that Abraham is really is blessed with everything. So Abraham is blessed with a son. We have a very different image of Avraham spanning from the Ibn Ezra all the way to Rashi. With the Ibn Ezra, you imagine Avraham is really just enjoying all of life's riches, everything that life has to offer him, which I think, frankly, I actually kind of agree with. I mean, Avraham always just seems like such a contented person um, who just, you know, has he has what he has. He's doing well. And he isn't really such a yearner. It's sort of the irony of God choosing him as the first Jew um, is that Abraham doesn't really yearn for things. He doesn't really ever seem to feel empty. I think he's pretty happy with what he has. Um, and also, but at the same time, he does kind of have everything. Um, and whereas Rashi is focusing on the one thing Abraham didn't have for a long time, right? He had the wealth, the material wealth. <clears throat> he had respect. He had people, you know, who, I mean, they had, he and Sarah had amassed a whole group of people and, and I mean, they, they had material, they were okay. But the one thing of course, that they didn't have for a long time was a son. And so I think Rashi, by narrowing it to a son, <clears throat> excuse me, Rashi is, I think, taking the image of someone who is surrounded by every, by having so much yet feels the pain of that one thing that he doesn't have, um, which in the reality, I, you know, I don't necessarily say, according to Ibn Ezra and according to Rashi, they see Avraham and the Avraham that they both see externally presents the same, someone who has everything, including a son. But Ibn Ezra sees that, you know, someone who's really blessed with everything, whereas Rashi sees Avraham as the blessed, what was Avraham's blessing that he had? He had the one thing that while he had all the rest, the one thing that he didn't have, the one thing that he wanted for a long time, which of course was a son. And now he's not blessed until he actually gets that last thing, which are two very different ways of how we relate to thinking about our life's blessings, about thinking about what we do have. Do we look at our lives and say, wow, I have so much. Do we stop to appreciate the things that we have that we either we take for granted or we don't value as much as we value other things, right? I mean, if I have like a million sweaters, I love sweaters. I don't necessarily look at each sweater and think like, I'm so lucky to have this sweater. I really cherish this sweater. But that doesn't mean that someone who doesn't 
have a lot of clothing and doesn't have sweaters to keep them warm in the winter wouldn't look at my closet and say, wow, she's so lucky to have sweaters. But I may also have something in my life that I really had wanted that wasn't as obvious to me that I could get. And I could really cherish that thing, even though someone else may not cherish it as much as I do. So Rashi makes it more subjective to how the person who has the, the, who is blessed, how they perceive that blessing. Whereas Ibn Ezra, I think is more, he's just more to kind of smooth it all over. He's more, he, he kind of takes on an even plane and doesn't distinguish between what the person's relationship is to their stuff, but rather just says, no, they're blessed with everything. Now that actually isn't where I wanted to conclude. I thought that um, what I wanted, the source I wanted to end with is the Nitziv, um, who takes what they've all said to even the next level in a beautiful way. I found, I just thought it was a beautiful point. So he says, Hashem Beirachetz Avraham Bakol. Um, and he gives some other explanations for what this could be. And then he adds that he connects this blessing of having everything to why Avraham then didn't go himself to find a wife for Yitzchak. And he says, the reason is, is Avraham, he had all these blessings, but he spent every day with other people. He says, right? One person would come and ask questions about Amuna, about faith, and then someone else would come in need of prayers. And he connects it to Gemara and Baba Batra that said that Avraham had like a stone around his neck. <coughs> Excuse me. And would, um, use that like to, to help other people. Um, and he basically says, Avraham said to Eliezer, you have to go find a wife for my son. Why? Not necessarily because Avraham's old, but because Avraham can't go himself. Why can't he go for himself? Because he's spending his whole day helping people. He is available to serve as counsel, to serve as strength, to serve as supporter. He is using his, the fact that he is blessed in order to help other people who are searching, who are in need of things. And I thought that this was, and so therefore he doesn't feel like he can tear himself away from that in order to go on the mission to go find a wife for his son. Now, you could argue that this is someone who doesn't have um, good work-life boundaries, so to speak, and we know Abraham didn't really. Um, he did often focus on his communal work um, at the expense of his family life. But anyway, setting that aside for a minute, I want to focus on on the part about sharing your bracha. Um, this is, I think, a different way of thinking about Avraham, right? According to Ibn Ezra, we imagine Avraham is surrounded by everything he could possibly have. And of course, still a godly person, still a holy person. But the image is someone who really is contented um, amongst all his riches, amongst everything he has, someone who has led a good life and is entering the last part of his life in a really good place. If we transition to someone like Rashi, um, yes, of course, he's blessed in other ways, but that's not the focus. The focus is, you can imagine Avraham like holding on to Yitzchak, Avraham really cherishing Yitzchak and saying, I'm so happy, like I'm so relieved, grateful, that I now have the one thing that I didn't always have, regardless of everything he did have, the one thing that he didn't have. And now 
with the Nativ, you see a much different Avraham. You see an Avraham who recognizes how lucky he is, but also incorporates, sees an obvious selflessness within that being lucky. Sees that his role is not to just have what he has, but his role, the point of having so much, of having that blessing, is to immediately share it with other people. To the point where he can't, he doesn't want to sacrifice that in order to go find a wife for his son, for that biggest bracha of all that he has. Um, and I, you know, I just, I think that this is just such a, a, a nice way of, of thinking about Avraham, of thinking about what it means to be blessed. Uh, you know, and, and I, I was worried that this would sound a little cliche, like, oh, the, you know, well, if you have, those who have should share with those who don't. But that's not even what he's doing, right? It doesn't say, oh, Avraham had a lot of wealth. And so when people would come, he would, you know, lend them $20. It's just saying that people would come, like he would use his blessings to help guide other people who were searching. He would use his contentedness, his richness in all areas at the end of his life, to then help people who were still trying to get to the place where he was at, who were yearning for what he had managed to find. And that he saw that not just as something he could do to help, but he really saw that as his responsibility to other people. And, you know, we have to acknowledge we're living in a time where I think our society, certainly American society, is trying to sort out how much those who have should be giving for the sake of the collective, for the sake of those who do not have, with things like the billionaire's tax, et cetera. <laughs> Hope you can hear Coco whistling. Um, and <coughs> and um, people, I mean, we're really working on that. And what does it mean? Is there an automatic obligation for those who have to give to those who don't have? Is this something that they should just automatically do as something that's generous? Is it an obligation? Do they have the right to hold on to their own money if they don't want if they want to and they don't want to share it, et cetera? Um, and of course, there are many, many different ways of arguing that. But I think what you see here is like so with it, how the Nitziv imagines Avraham is a man in whom it is so ingrained that you, if you have, you use it to help people who are struggling to try to have similar things, that it is your obligation to really to, to help them, to help guide them. Right, not to just to distribute, to, but to really be there as a presence for them, even if it means that you sacrifice some of your own life, in meaning in terms of going to find a way for Yitzchak, um, in order to be able to be there for other people. And what would the world look like if those who have, I include myself in there, thank God, but like not as a billionaire, but you know, lucky. Um, who really saw part of their responsibility in the world, part of their role in the world as guide, being there as a guide, as a presence, as an, a help um, for those who don't. And to think of this is how Abraham chose to spend that part of his life where he could just be relaxing, you know, retirement, so to speak, instead of just guiding people all day is I think a really, a really beautiful image of what it means to use life's blessings and to share them with others. Shabbat Shalom.